Hello, everyone. I'm Jillian. And I'm Sophia. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Offscreen, the show where two Armenian women discuss the intersectionality of social issues and media. Jillian is a film and TV enthusiast and critic. She started Offscreen as a blog and platform to shed light on new genres, cultures, and creators. Sophia is a musician, and she's always on the lookout for under-the-radar artists and ideas. I met her in 2019 volunteering, and we connected through our shared curiosity and passion for exploration. Our heritage, alongside our international affairs major, influences our story selection and the way we approach them when we share them with you. Our goal is to have important conversations that unravel misunderstood perspectives in music, television, film, and everything in between. For the off-screen season two finale, we want to take a look back and re-emphasize the big ideas of the conversations we've had over the course of this season. We've learned so much from our discussions with fellow creatives and friends from different backgrounds, filling in the blanks of expertise on topics or experiences that we haven't had, and providing a variety of perspectives to our audience. We've expanded our knowledge base and tackled themes that were new to us, even discussing our own personal identities in ways that we hadn't before. Inclusivity and authenticity, identity, and the importance of emphasizing rather than objectifying marginalized groups have served as some of the main themes of this season. And in this episode, we want to discuss some of our major takeaways from season two of Off Screen with Jillian and Sophia. Hey Jillian, how are you? Hi, I'm well, how are you? Good, trying to enjoy the beginning of the summer. I think it's finally summertime here. Yeah, it's like over 100 degrees here now, and I I guess that's the signal that it's summer, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta break out the shorts. Yeah, it's time for shorts weather. (laughs) Yeah, and um, it's been quite a long time since we've last recorded and chatted, and so I'm excited to put a nice bow on um, our really interesting season that we had this year. Yeah, no, it's been such an amazing experience, and I think it was important for us to take a little break during our final season, and you just graduated. Congratulations, Jillian. (laughs) So it's been kind of a busy few weeks, but we're excited to, yeah, like you said, just kind of put a bow and wrap up all the really interesting conversations that we've had over the season with some of our amazing guests and everything. Yeah, so for this episode... We kind of decided to almost do like a summary and like a key takeaway of some of the learnings that we've um, acquired from this season with our different guests and the different topics. Because for me, um, they were definitely topics that I had like a little bit of knowledge about, but not too much. So it was really, I don't know, like a gift or like a blessing to be able to like sit down with someone that we would qualify as an expert on these topics and dive in and go through each one of the parts and kind of talk through it together um and so we would just want to take a look back and re-emphasize big ideas of the conversations we've had and what we've learned and I'm sure these are like lessons and things that we will keep with us <laughs> um you know when we go out in the real world and that there they will be patterns and things that now now since we are aware of it we'll be like oh like remember when we talked about this and here's an example of that and so that's what I think is like the coolest part of doing the whole podcast and having the guests on 
um, we're going to dive into this more, but like one of the episodes we had with the celeb- does celebrity sell in the age of authenticity with Sarah, like every time I see a celebrity ad now, I think back to, you know, the congruency and what she taught us. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't match up. Like there's something missing. And so it's like, you know, that's something that like has really changed my outlook on how I consume things and think about things. And I just think that's really cool and such a unique experience. Yeah, we've definitely learned so much. And even I think we've definitely evolved a bit throughout this season and um, from our last season, too. And I think we'll probably talk about this later uh, in this episode. But especially with our segment on Armenian issues and identity, I feel like we have kind of grown over the course of this season and having conversations about other topics with other people, becoming more comfortable with talking about you know, sensitive subjects and um, being able to articulate our thoughts and speak eloquently on on a topic that's so important to us that we wanted to get right so, so badly. You know, over the course of the season, our conversations and episodes really kind of taught us and prepared us for that segment that we did. And that's just like another example. But yeah, I think this will be good for us to kind of uh, think back and use all of our knowledge that we learned to kind of take a look at all the topics that we talked about. Yeah, and if we have any new listeners joining or some old listeners that missed any episodes, um, and you know, maybe they'll pick something up and want to go revisit that or listen to it for the first time. So this is, this will be like a good um, reflection for all of us. So weirdly how our season went, um, we did like I about five episodes a month and they ended up like all being each five episodes in that month that it was designated in all like weirdly related to each other. So we came together and thought like, what are three of the major themes that we really dove into this season and what episodes correlate with them. And so we've decided to break up this episode into um, talking about inclusivity and authenticity, emphasize versus objectify, and identity. Yeah, I think that was so interesting also because we didn't really plan it that way per se. I mean, we did have kind of themed segments for um, some of the months, I guess. Like we had Women's History Month and Armenian History Month but these particular themes weren't really planned out ahead of time. And so the first one we're gonna really dive into is gonna be inclusivity and authenticity, Um, and that's pretty much the first month of this year of the themes we've covered with our different guests on and the different episodes that range from talking about music and the Grammys to xenophobia, um, to K-pop, to celebrity brands and all that good stuff in the Ventures world. And like, you would think like, oh, what would any of these have in common? But they have a lot in common, especially in the inclusivity and authenticity realm. Um, and so we found that, you know, with throughout the pandemic, there's been a huge, I don't know, like uh, a reveal of things that would seem, oh, there's differences. But I think as the world has been moving so fast lately, we kind of didn't have the time to stop and really look at the differences between, you know, a normal person and a celebrity because we kind of see, oh, they're, you know, the star magazines, they're just like us, you know, they do like these things and as we learned throughout the last year, no, they're just, I mean, we're all human, but like there are large differences between a normal person 
and a celebrity, as well as something the COVID-19 crisis did point out was like xenophobia amongst American media. I mean, even as we just saw the reporting of COVID being, you know, so far away and thought, oh, it could never get here, you know, what's so far away, but slowly and surely it crossed over and it made us realize how much more globalized the world is and how the different media and things that we put out about different cultures and countries that are you know don't we don't really see as being one of us or relating to like it can really impact like how people think about people that are different than them these are truths that have been true for a really long time like these are problems that we have had especially in american media and our culture they've been around for a long time this this particular year has really gave people the opportunity to sit and think and look at the reality of what's going on and how bad it it really can be and how bad it can get how crisis really reveals some issues that we may not have have noticed or maybe not have uh, scrutinized as much as we are now like so many people have been like politically radicalized during this time just reading and learning about things that you don't learn about in school things that you don't you have to do some of your own searching to really uncover some of these truths that um are not always in the mainstream and you know laid out right in front of you like the the um discrepancy between the normal person like me and you and the celebrities that get to go to private islands and have rapid covid testing just on hand and the fact that they all thought they were being so great like you know the imagine song they're like let's just let's just sing this song it'll make everybody feel better but like in reality you know they're just rubbing it in our faces that's definitely something that was revealed (laughs) during this year and also just the severity of xenophobia in this country for a few reasons obviously covid brought a lot of those feelings up and um there has definitely been a rise in xenophobia and hate crimes um, because uh, because of everything that's been going on, obviously, with COVID, but politically and socially, um, it's been a very difficult time for a lot of people. A lot of people have been opening their eyes to the reality that there are, you know, really bad people that, that, that think that way, that there are really xenophobic people, really racist people walking among us. They're everywhere. You know, right now we have the whole um, hashtag stop Asian hate and the bills in Congress and a a huge movement um, spearheaded by a lot of Asian um, actors and celebrities, which has been really amazing to see like that come together because I feel like there hasn't been a voice for the Asian community within um, the arts space and, you know, ever. You, You see them advocating and working so hard to, you know, combat this and then at the same time the media companies that are trying to help them and speak out about it are also going the other way and printing out very xenophobic which is s-i-n-o which is different from xenophobic but it is related to um, china printing a lot of xenophobic ads and magazine covers and just you know dropping things in um like news uh or news reports when you watch like you know the mainstream news and it's it's i i always wonder if people know that they're subconsciously 
still fueling the hate that we're trying to combat with having like these movements so it kind of like cancels each other out when you have like a lot of corporations who co-opt these movements who are supporting both sides in it and that's something that I've started to observe. It's been really wonderful to have more and more people become aware of these issues but there's been another side to that coin let's look at it in a a situational point of view I guess like I'm following you know influencers on Instagram or whatever and something something is happening like for example like the stop Asian hate uh, hashtag that's been going around and obviously all you know the rise in Asian hate crimes as a result of of COVID and, and and the racist coverage that's you know become more and more pervasive in the media uh, surrounding particularly Chinese communities and just Asian people in general, that, you know, people on social media, they want to see their favorite influencers and celebrities talk and speak out about this, but not all of them are really educated on these topics because it does take, you know, certain knowledge to, you know, eloquently speak about and combat these issues without really just you know, saying hashtag stop Asian hate and that's all you're going to say. That That's not enough to really stop Asian hate. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. there is a lot of people with uh, that feed into this like infographic Instagram advocacy like um, phenomenon of just posting something on your story and then acting like or just thinking that oh I did my part like that's all I have to do like let me just share something let me just you know post this hashtag or whatever without really doing more work without you know sharing resources or true information like you know read this book read this article you know listen to this person who has expertise on this topic or sharing resources to donate to and things like that there's there's much less of that than there is just it you know a visually appealing infographics that you can like post on your feed to seem like you're woke and up to speed on all the you know social movements that are going on so there's <laughs> two sides of it obviously there's a lot of positive things that have come out of it but there's also been a lot of like complacency and just people not really being educated and posting to say you know just to post something and so that's something yeah. that i think might be a little bit dangerous for the future moving on that we're going to have to figure out how to really deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could go into a whole conversation just based on that because I've I've read a lot of interesting articles about, you know, the infograph advocacy, especially of, like, celebrities, of, like, they should just be quiet and open their purses, which I agree they should open their purses. And then at the same time, if they are the people at the 1% who have the most connections to, you know government and media and stuff like that like they have we shouldn't treat them as they're like dumb because they are at the top of the I guess like society so like for them for us to be like don't speak and I think if like personally if you hold that much power within a society it kind of just I mean I'm not expecting you to be an expert on everything but at least do your part of recontributing back to society with your wealth or just being cautious of that there is this class divide and most likely the stuff that you advocate for your audience is not actually going to affect them or do better for them it's going to do better 
for you at the end of the day if we look a lot I can think back I don't again don't want to get too political but like the last election and you had people that were just like um like a lot of celebrities who were just like just vote blue no matter where you are and like I get that I get people are very into the party mindset but there is a whole class mindset of like what if there's someone in the middle of I don't know the midwest that if the the blue person they vote for like it doesn't affect it doesn't help like their local community you know what if it's better to vote the other party or what if there's an, another candidate from a different party you know so I think it I think for people at the top they should just be more cautious that like whatever they say like does not is not going to help the rest of the people and I do believe that there are people that have like good intentions and then there's people that just like don't care like you're saying they're going to put out a statement and they and they did their job Again, we could have a much more in-depth conversation. We could in the future. Like, I would love to have a, a discourse because I've been reading up and seeing a lot of things about this. Or um, I could think recently, I don't want to, like, name names or, like, the crisis, but you have people kind of do a back and forth and you realize, oh, they work for this studio. It's connected to military. It makes sense for them to take back their, you know, their apology or, like, what their statement and make a weird apology about it. And even in the past four years, I'm just starting to realize those connections of people at the top with different um, institutions and seeing why aren't they speaking out or why why are they speaking for this thing or why are they speaking for that thing? And as we've been saying, like the veil is kind of pulled back and we're starting to see people who may not have the best intentions for anyone other than themselves. And then we do see a lot of um, cool uh, celebrities and, you know, artists and stuff that are really working for the people and are using their platform well I can think of like no name has been I love following her on Twitter and her book club I think it's just phenomenal and so I'd love to see more like that of like promoting promoting work that you know as, as you said in the beginning like you don't really have that access to if you're just in school you know you're not going to be reading those types of books and learning more about what's outside of your own sphere in terms of media representation recently and like tokenism that has also been kind of on the rise as production companies and just brands in general try to diversify their shows and movies there's definitely been like a learning curve when it comes to truly being diverse and showing diverse stories on screen and diverse um talent on screen and there's a lot of tokenism that happens in the media and there's a lot of colorism that we can see represented on screen in terms of who gets to represent certain communities and who um hollywood picks as their um i guess favorite person of color (laughs) for that like cycle um and i i think that's something that we should be a bit more we should be scrutinizing a little bit more in terms of like going about being diverse and 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 representing different um backgrounds and people in a in an honest way Mm -hmm. rather than in a the most palatable way that will just appease everybody and make it seem as though they care when they really don't yeah even with um you know a lot of the times you watch a movie and it's really obvious that a character is supposed to be like some sort of ethnic background and they cast someone that's like not that ethnic back 
background that's very ambiguous and I saw a tweet this morning, which what a coincidence where it's like it's no longer like uh, uh, acceptable for Hollywood to say like, oh, we couldn't find an actor of this background so for this role. So we had to cast like someone else. And it's like, are you doing the searching like to the studios and these institutions? They do have the power to f- uncover that new talent, that person without a name from that whatever cultural community that they're making that movie about. And if they want to tell an accurate representation, like you might as well hire someone from that actual background. And you have a chance to, you know, make a change and make an impact. But so much of the time, I'd say 95% of the time, we see it go the other way of like, well, no one's going to care or no one's going to take the time to do the research to know that we totally butchered this culture or this ethnic period in in history um and i think that you know a lot of people that i follow on twitter in the film community who are not white and like want to see themselves on screen and want to see their cultures accurately represented like i feel very optimistic that there's going to be a future where those voices are going to be heard for once instead of like oh it doesn't matter you know so i think i think in terms of that there is such a long way to go still and i think for the people that if they see one you know actor that's not white they're like that's it for me like we did it you know and so i'm hope we still push for more because there is a lot more that can be done it's important to mention that you know there is progress being made like for example uh going back to our grammys episode like a lot of artists are boycotting the Grammys because it's not this scammies. perfect... Yeah, it's the scammies. Like, it's no longer it, that, like, perfect institution that it once was with that uh, prestige. I mean, obviously, it's still such a prestigious honor, but people are acknowledging that it has flaws and it has issues that need to be fixed, which is, you know, going a step in the right direction, especially when it comes to actually boycotting. Like, for example, The weekend. Um, and there are n- a number of other artists that, you know, we talked about that in, in, in that particular episode and like, uh, Netflix, uh, pouring a lot of money into their international, uh, markets and, um, shows and, you know, uh, uh, hiring people like from those countries and, you know, um, support those creatives in, in, in the first place, you know, that's uh, a really big step for a huge corporation like Netflix. So, you know, there are definitely steps being taken to you know shift the direction of you know just media representation in general and not even representation for the sake of representation but just you know to create good content that people will like and people will you know relate to and so now i want to move on to um another major theme that had to go with um our women's month that we did with our collaboration with ff2 media and this was something that i kind of discovered as we after we kind of solidified that we were doing this with them and working on it with them and starting to do a lot of reading of just women the women's gaze and media and research and stuff like that and it was something that i realized was the the idea of emphasize versus objectify, especially when it comes to women, um, as we mentioned in the first um, collaboration with them and the directors and act- the female directors and actresses episode, um, a lot of times when we see our favorite female actor- actors, 
um, you know, there's not much to them in the movie. They're kind of just there, and we're like, what's her story? Like, I want to follow that character, and it's just very, like, I glazed over, like, glossed over onto the boy character. And then when you see that female uh, director step in there and you see her able to emphasize the small nuances of what it means to be a woman other than like, oh, you look nice and you're pretty and hyper feminine. And it's like, no, like what's more? What is what is she thinking about? What is what are her dreams? What are her aspirations? What is her character? Um, what's more to her of, of just wanting to be likable and pretty, you know, like make a, an unlikable character or something like that. And so you, when these women are able to work with um, these actresses and kind of craft those characters, you see them coming more into their own and just like small things that, you know, as a woman going in everyday life, like we notice about ourselves and then you can see that replicated on the screen of things that you think about that, you know, you wouldn't assume is going to be on a movie or a TV show. And I was like, wow, like there, there's so much more to women than just, you know, being the hot girl or the side chick, you know, like she can do so much more. (laughs) And it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about when it comes to like representation for representation's sake, because just objectifying a woman, like putting a woman in a movie isn't enough. You know what I mean? Like just to have a female character that is purely there for the use of the other main characters that have their own development arcs, their own, you know, thoughts and motivations. Just having a woman there as an object to, you know, move the story along, um, you know, aimlessly or pointlessly or whatever, that it does not, <laughs> that doesn't uh, actually uplift or emphasize the strengths of a woman or just the characteristics of a woman most of the movies that we see directed by men written by men they do objectify women because the nuances like you were just talking about the deeper uh aspects of women are completely glossed over or just you know kind of ignored most of the time and so i think the dichotomy or i guess the the difference between objectifying and emphasizing or uplifting is really important when we talk about like making progress in these kinds of realms because it is important the the kind of content that is actually you know on screen and taking place rather than just slapping a person of color or a woman or whoever on screen that's not really enough we didn't talk about this as an example, but I'm just thinking of, um, I don't know if anyone has seen a Lost in Translation with directed by Sofia Coppola starring Scarlett Johansson. There's that scene where she's just in her underwear on the bed, kind of like, I'm laying, I'm trying to move my body sideways to show you and no one's going to see this. So, you know, she's just laying on the bed and it's like the frame is like on her underwear and it's kind of like, kind of awkward, but like I'm thinking, you know, that scene would be totally different and mean something completely different if it was directed by a man. Uh, when we mentioned in the intro, like how we kind of discovered patterns or things and we, we see them now playing out. Um, I think one of the episodes, the media misogyny, which was the first episode in the series. Someone like Megan Fox, you know, Paris Hilton, and even Lindsay Lohan praying for her comeback. Uh, let's hope it goes well, but... Lilo forever. Yeah, like being able to actually be taken somewhat seriously and not, um, you know, being able to emphasize and uplift their strengths and talents without being objectified and just either um, 
you know, there's so much uh, infantilization and adultification of young women and just inappropriate sexualization of women in general, which is a very deep issue rooted in like our society which uh, you know we live in a society it's gonna take a very long time to really undo those ingrained um you know just uh, ways of thinking of everybody in 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 our society that's just you know how we are all i guess socialized and conditioned to just think that way so it's definitely a very deep issue yeah, no, um, it was something that I learned in, like, this year, which made so much sense to me, and I was like, that is how we deal with, you know, problems or issues, so there's the idea of the problem, which is, um, I think it's the singular thing, and then the issue is the overlying thing, and we see this a lot with when we talk about sexual assault, the Me Too, so, and you can name so many other social movements that we're seeing today. And instead of attacking why is so, why is sexual harassment happening? Why are we sexualizing young women? Why are we doing this? Like, why do we think about women this way? Why is it okay? Yeah, it's more centered on the individual woman. So, like, let's take um, Courtney Stodden, which their story just broke recently. S- so crazy. If you go back and you look at um that video from i think it was abc news of breaking their relationship um the way that they were targeted was so even they were just a 16 year old girl and the media came after them so crazy instead of like assessing why this 51 year old man like was preying on them but uh anyway so it goes back to that and today we're kind of talking about it again because of their um their piece in i think it was like the daily beast or something and instead of talking about let's talk about grooming let's talk about sexual assault let's talk about you know why we sexualize young women it's going back to chrissy teigen thing was brought into this and that's what the main conversation is on the whole courtney stodden thing that's coming out now should people should take that as an opportunity to kind of question how many other young women is this happening to because i'm sure it's not just them it's probably a whole slew of women and what's been really cool to see on um tiktok is that there's a lot of women that are our age and younger kind of questioning what is this type of feminism that's been pushed on us where we have to feel like we're sexual and sexualized at these young ages and a lot a lot of the times people are being groomed and people don't really understand what that means and all the fault is placed on the woman and she's both um adultified and infantilized at the same time um so I think like going on, we need to kind of evaluate how we address these issues. When we talk about Me Too, we don't talk about why is there a whole uh, sexual assault culture in Hollywood. If Harvey Weinstein is able to do what he did, he's not the only one that's doing yeah. that. So like, why aren't we talking about this whole, in, you know, this unspoken rule in Hollywood rather than just talking about what a bad person he was? I mean, clearly he was, he's a terrible yeah. person, but you know, it goes beyond that. Yeah, and then you see, like, in the case of Harvey Weinstein, I don't think there's anyone defending Harvey Weinstein, but then in some in some cases, you see, well, he was a nice guy. At, like, he was a great actor, or he did this, or, like, are you sure? Like, why is it a question of... We're not questioning this person's character. Like, we're not attacking this single person. We're attacking this person as a result 
of this system that keeps going. Why are we just debating, spending all of our time debating this one person, giving them every news piece, then we're talking about cancel culture, which doesn't exist, and then it's going into a whole other realm of things. And then even with the thing on sexual assault, depending on what side of the aisle you're on like then people are just weaponizing it back and forth i'm gonna excuse my colleague for doing that but i'm gonna go attack this other person on the other side because that's terrible and this is a good shot it's just like it just turned into a back and forth game and i think we just really want to see it actually be addressed for once as 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 young women that are going to go out into the world and um when we talk about that and we realize also like the importance of uplifting international female voices that don't have the same access to uh like talk about their stories without risking their lives and even going past you know the the u.s girl boss feminism of debating you know like um the, the debates about shaving and the debates about I don't know just like it gets really it misses the point like we're saying and you know there's when we talked about international women's stories we were talking about FGM and fistula and just other experiences that like I feel like we're not covered or really talked about in in the U.S. society and it was really interesting to see what are the experiences of being a woman you know outside of this country. Yeah and like the consequences of um, misogyny in places like Africa, like the the outcomes of that, like FGM and uh, the inability of women to access healthcare in general because of the stigma surrounding women and women's health and women's issues. And so I think things like that often don't get roped into the feminism, the conversations around feminism in America or this idea of girl boss feminism that you can um, <laughs> get to the top of the food chain by exploiting and doing all the things that men do because you want to be on the same level and have that same success rather than dismantling that entire idea in general and going back to square one and thinking about what what the real needs of women are and like how to uplift and, and emphasize. There are things that need to be, d- deeper issues that need to be addressed that I think uh, there's just, uh, in, in our culture and our society in America, we're a lot more individualistic and just focused more on what's right in front of us rather than having those bigger conversations that are that you know aren't really yeah. being uh who aren't getting the attention that they that they need and so when we talk about this girl boss feminism like let's not shave our armpits all this like <laughs> everybody has their own identities and ways about living their lives and that's totally fine but you know are should we maybe give be giving more attention to other Uh, experiences and issues that women have internationally that I think a lot of times are just not really addressed or kind of forgotten and I think that episode that we did on international film really touches on some of these issues that women have to deal with around the world that we don't even realize here in America that there are women that still can't even get health care like at all i mean obviously sometimes our health care is infringed upon uh sometimes in 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 our congress but you know it goes way deeper and way much more of a danger to some women and other places we are evolving um and i think the last little takeaway in our series because i want to make sure we get everything in there um 
identity. Definitely a conversation I have with people so much. Um, something I'm constantly thinking about. And it's been really cool to, um, since like meeting Sophia, like as a conversation we constantly will have and come up with new, not sides, but angles and, you know, realize different things or talk to different people. And it's always one that I enjoy having. It does, I mean, it can feel repetitive at times, but I think it's such an important part of the conversation of society, especially as we talked about, we're getting more globalized and people are getting more mixed and we're creating new cultures and then at the same time people are starting to get more um, territorial on things and a lot is happening and you know sometimes you for you want to you kind of feel lost or like what is my identity if I belong to you know two different cultures I'm not resonating with either of them I kind of feel in the middle and then there's a whole bunch of people that feel that way. So you don't have to feel alone, but it's like, okay, since we're all feeling this way, how do we progress past it where we do feel accepted? Do we create our own group or something like that, you know? And it was really, gr- yeah, and it was really great to dive into this and especially during Armenian History Month um, and talking to our different guests and talking to each other and sharing our own experiences and saying, oh, we're both from, you know, the Armenian culture but we have two different experiences and um at the same time we both feel like we're connected like weirdly like we've met each other before but like we we haven't like we've known each other for like two years which I thought was so funny like that that just really resonates you know and having those even now having those conversations with my friends outside of the Armenian sphere of like they're also from two different cultures and you know they're in that middle place and like what is that middle place and how you how do you define it um and yeah I I, and learning it's it's especially this year which has been a a really difficult one for Armenians this past year has seen a lot of tragedy and, and lots of difficulty for our community but we have been have been trying to do our best to at least bring some positivity out of it and try to connect with other people in our community and learn from them and hear their stories, their experiences, and being able to validate all, uh, you know, validate each other and uh, learn about, you know, what are the different different ways to be Armenian? Like, I, I want to learn about other people's identities and, and the way that, like, you grew up in your community in California and, you know, teaching, telling you about, like, my family's experiences and, like, just having those conversations I think are so important for us to grow closer and to connect because there is a lot of division in our community and in all, every community, I'm sure. There's always drama. That's just how it goes. But I think for us, especially during times like this, it's important for us to go look past all of these differences and look at them in a positive way and learn from each other rather than being divisive. And I think it kind of, this topic kind of goes back to what we just spoke about in terms of like feminism and and learning about the experiences of women internationally that we may not understand in order to create a community that is so that is as inclusive as it needs to be and like in terms of our experiences as Armenians um, you know speaking for example with Rosa and hearing her experience actually being in Armenia on the ground 
you know, not all Armenians, especially in America, know what it's like to live in Armenia or even to be there unless you go and visit. But even then, it's like um, you don't fully understand the needs that they have and the experiences that they have living there, um, you know, being a member of the diaspora. So, for example, having that conversation with her was really, you know, important, I think, for us to to have and also to share with other people yeah and i love that conversation because a lot of the time i think when we hear about war happening and people think they have an idea of you know based off of like what's being reported but as we learned last year you know what's being reported isn't actually accurate you know and uh, the importance of social media and having people like Rosa who are, you know, experiencing that and sharing, you know, what's happening on the inside to the outside, it's, it helps us connect more and see these people as humans, which we should, versus like, oh, a, a headline, like, this is going to sound good, this is going to get clicks. But it's like, how do we tell, you know, the stories of the people going to war and the prisoners at war and past that of going to what's happening in the community? Like, what what do you do? Um, and she was telling us about you know, the bomb shelters and how people were, like, volunteering and, like, what was happening on the ground. Um, and I thought that was really um, eye-opening because a lot of the times, you know, when we hear about, like, these historic events, especially in the Middle East, it's never about the people, you know, that are there. It always goes up higher to the country as a whole and everyone classifies the country as, like, everyone's doing something bad or something or in violence and just never I mean it's it's definitely a sad time but I think taking talking to her and seeing like the optimism and the um togetherness of the Armenian people and how beautiful that was in such a you know a difficult time and even seeing how that was going um, back to America with a lot of Armenian Americans and how all, we all felt a responsibility to share the story of you know our culture even if we're not you know, I've never been to Armenia, but I felt such a strong urge to like, I need to tell the story. I need to help protect my culture. I need to do so much. Um, and just seeing how we were able to connect back to that, you know, not even being there, but just knowing that like our brothers and sisters were in conflict and we needed to tell the story and tell our non-Armenian friends and call our Congress people and tell our new stations to, you know, play these stories. And it was, it was, it, I mean, in this such a negative um, event, it was just kind of beautiful to see everyone starting to come together, no matter where you were in the diaspora. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we able, that we were able to, <laughs> Um, have these conversations and, and talk to other young Armenian creatives that are so ambitious and like, you know, doing their best uh, and working hard to, for you know, for the betterment of our community, which is, you know, what we what we all should be doing and like learning from them um, and Armenians like Anthony and um, and even like Rosa and Armen, like all of them are so, um, you know, educated and smart they know a lot about what their what you know what our issues are and they're you know using using their knowledge and their talents to like i said uplift our community and 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 help in whatever ways they can um and i think that's what we are trying to do and uh like i said at the beginning um 
we have talked about identity in a, di- in a different context, you know, in the context of other marginalized groups and, um, you know, talking to other experts on their experiences and, um, you know, their, how, how their stories should be told. That kind of gave us the uh, ability, that kind of comfort in knowing that we were able to talk about our identity in the best way that we can because, you know, like I was just saying, you know, it's it's so important for us to uplift our own community because nobody else will do that for us as Armenians. And so we have to try our best and our hardest to do, um, you know, to to provide like the most high quality, best, you know, work and, and knowledge that we can to other people because we are representing, um, you know, our community and our people. So I think the experience of just doing the podcast in general, I'm really grateful for that because I feel like I now am a bit more equipped to discuss these kinds of topics and really give them the, um, you know, what what they deserve. I don't know if that really made sense, but... Yeah, no, for sure. And I think when we think of identity um, and something we talked about, of Armenianness of like, how do you measure that? Am I Armenian enough? And I think a lot of communities have especially people who are who are like mixed or they're not from like the country but they're a diaspora and then you kind of get in your head and you're like how much can I talk how much am I taking up too much space do I know what I'm talking about should I leave this to someone else to talk about like I you kind of feel like all over the place and I think what you bring up with just doing this podcast I mean I definitely there's so much more I need to learn but I feel definitely more confident and comfortable with talking to you know Armenians or non-Armenians about what's happening and Armenian issues and wanting to um, work harder to help you know that representation of Armenians in media and how do we connect our our history to our more modern stories and you know even just even the I don't know if Armenia is like Middle East, but even just the Middle East in general, how do we humanize these countries more of not just like it's uh, we talked about you know. A lot of movies that are like quote unquote about Middle Eastern people, they just, you know, group them all together and mix these cultures, but they're all such individualized, like there is, I mean, there's overlapping, but like they're all their own thing, their their dialects are different, their, their foods are different, the customs are different, sometimes, you know, the way the religion is practiced is different, so even just like, you know, learning more about Armenians and seeing the mixture of cultures as the diaspora, you know, is in Syria, it's in Paris, I mean, France and America and Russia and all these places, you know, the the culture is going to keep changing and getting like more evolved and things like that. So how do you accurately communicate that to the outside world and show like, oh, we're humans, stop thinking of us as like, violence over there and you know they're oppressed and they don't know these things and you know and then you get like these quote-unquote experts on the region that have no connection i'm like why are they that why are they the expert like okay (laughs) based on the conversations we had earlier this season i think it's also important for us to kind of work together to figure out what best way we can bring our culture and our communities and experiences to the outside world and to people that don't know our stories, to people that don't know too much about who Armenians are, because like you said, the Middle East in general, this region, even just everything past, you know, Western Europe is just a monolith of 
unknown, exotic, in you know, pe- peoples and and uh, societies that are just un unfamiliar and a bit scary because you know for Americans anything unfamiliar is just a little scary. So being able to figure out what what is the best way for us to how how can we uplift each other in ways that we can you know tell our stories and move past. Uh, you know, the either stereotypes or even just just we discussed how to move past the tragedies of our history and kind of talk about the beautiful and uh, beautiful parts of our culture, those aspects that aren't often highlighted because our our history is very tragic. There are really, you know, lots of really sad things that we dwell on a lot in our art in media culture especially with films centering around the genocide like how can we move past that and show those parts of our culture that the outside world doesn't really know they haven't really been exposed to that so um being able to create space for all armenians and like we talked about again the cultivate that mosaic of armenian identity and culture and yeah because at the same time those aspects of our culture are relevant to other communities too like we're not the only we're not the only community that has identity crises and has like issues like that and you know our family dynamics and our there's so many different parts of our culture that are relatable to other people too and that's what's going to help us the most in the long run is having people on our side because they relate to us and they understand us and they know oh they're like us too, you know, they're not just some random faceless nation in the middle of nowhere that's always in conflict or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad that we were able to, like, explore that, uh, you know, with each other and with other Armenians too. Seeing all the people that are even taking it one step further, something we talked about of, like, how do you connect what you were doing online and, you know, with the with the famous infographics and the communication online and connecting it into real life. And we see that with so, so many young Armenian creatives like Kurigs, right? Kurigs. Yeah, I always, I'm so bad at pronouncing things sometimes. But, you know, with the volunteer work that um, the organization is doing, you know, in Armenia and is doing that hands-on, on-the-ground work. Um, and when we had Anthony on for Mia scene, creating the Armenian voice that is definitely missing within the entertainment industry and people that are not kind of, like, giving chances to Armenians to help make those stories, you know, he's taking the initiative and he's going, you know what, we're going to do this. And even with Armin, with the Armenian Film Society of preserving and championing new Armenian filmmakers who are, you know, highlighting that. And so it's been really cool to see them. And there's so much more that we talked about on Anthony's episode that, you know, I, it inspires me of like, oh my gosh, like I want to be doing more and wanting to be a part of that. And maybe this is, maybe I found my space, you know, of like trying to figure out what I want to do and what, what I want to be championing. And so when you see all these like creative people around you and you're like, oh, like, I think that something I want to do. And so it's been really cool to like connect with them and just have these deep conversations that, you know, that I didn't feel like people were having in my community and being able to have them with people that, you know, you're in Nashville, I'm in Fresno and, um, Anthony was in LA and, um, 
Rosa was in Armenia and Armin was also in LA and just having those, I guess, like these cross-cultural communications conversations. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think we should also put an extra huge thank you to all the guests that we had on because as we've been talking about, we have learned so much from our incredible, knowledgeable guests that are so talented, creative, and, you know, uh, informed and uh yeah i think we need to give a huge shout out to all all of our guests from this season make sure to check them all out they're all you know tagged on our instagram on our spotify all everywhere you stream you can check them all out you learn about them too because they were all really great and we learned a lot from them yeah i agree um a lot of them were like different new people we met over zoom and then like people like camilla I took German class with her, and it was old friends, like, things that we talked about in person, and I was like, you know what, like, let's just make a podcast episode about that. I think that would, like, fit in with, like, what we're trying to do, and so even that, just seeing, like, what your friends are interested in and how that connects with your own interests, that was, like, really cool to put that together, and learning more about my friends and our new friends, um, I just, you know, I just love learning about people. (laughs) Yeah, um, and I think that is a perfect wrap-up to this kind of reflective episode and season. Um, I've, again, I've learned a lot, and has, I'm very still curious about everything we talked about. I'm always thinking about, oh, how can we have a deeper conversation about that or with something else within that realm? So we'll definitely be back in the future to dive more into these conversations, you know, that we find interesting. And we want to thank everyone that, you know, have been on this journey with us since last year. And it's just been really fun to, like, see where the podcast has gone within a year and just see how both of us are growing and finding our voice and finding what we're interested in and tapping into new um conversations in areas that like you know I wouldn't have crossed my mind but it's been really fun (laughs) well thank you so much again to everybody who tuned in and has tuned in uh, this and the over the course of the season and last season we want to extend another thank you to our amazing guests from this season we both truly appreciate your support so much so please uh, follow the show on Instagram at Offscreen with Jill and Soph. We'll be posting some content in between this season and next season. So keep up with us. Make sure to stay on top of that. If you want to follow either one of us to get updates on our lives throughout this break, you can follow me at Sophia.Badalian. And you can follow me at Jillian Chilangarian. And yeah, also, if you haven't ca- caught up with all the episodes from this season, check back listen to them all and catch up uh if you are missing out on our content 